Hello, my name is Jumont McGowan and welcome to Words Fail Me, a podcast about thriving with dyslexia. This podcast was funded by the National Lottery Community Fund and Epic Projects, or the Ecumenical Project for International Cooperation, who are a US-based non-profit organisation. If you're curious about what they do, you can go to their website, epicprojects.org. So, our guest today is Jodie Steele. She is a titan of the West End musical scene. She's played Elphaba in Wicked, Catherine Howard in Six, and most recently, Heather in Heathers. She's got an incredible voice, and as you'll hear from the interview, she is an effervescent, irrepressible energy. She's not only an accomplished performer, singer and dancer, but a fully qualified PT and teacher. There's also a little cameo from her dog in this episode, which should be a treat for dog fans. As always, this is a podcast to support the brilliant work of the Dyslexia Foundation. Their mission is to unlock the full potential of dyslexic people so that they can succeed and contribute fully to society. They do incredible work. They test any adult off the street and teach them to read for free. And they have a free online screening tool which you can use to assess yourself or a loved one for dyslexia. We both had a lot of fun doing this this episode. Uh, we've got a lot of things in common, and not only as performers and fellow dyslexics, but as, as PTs and teachers ourselves. Um, it's it's a quick ep, but it's uh, it's a little treat. So I hope you enjoy. Hi, yeah. All right. <laughs> Hi, yeah. You're right. You're right, love. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so take us back, Jodie. Um, take us back to when it was you first realised um, that you were different, that, that, that dyslexia was, was an issue. So um, I, I have, do you know what? I have ADHD as well. And I think my mum and dad just thought that it was a concentration thing at school. Um, uh-huh. And that, oh, my dog's come to say hello. Say hello to the Kapapoo. <laughs> um, and that I just had quite a wiry mind and just was always, you know, my concentration levels were, well, and still are terrible. You know, I'm like, squirrel, that's me, gone. Like, um, So I think they didn't think anything of it. But for me, reading, oh, my God, reading. I love reading, but it takes me so long to read a book. And I just remember my English teacher in about well it was it was quite late actually it was like year year eight um mm-hmm. they took me aside and um said would you mind staying after school just going to chat to you about a few things and, and and see if we can help you and I didn't really know what she was on about anyway so we did this whole meeting thing and they got me to read uh and I was just extremely slow because <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know these words. Mm-hmm. And then they put coloured sheets over the words for me. And I can't remember what colour it was now. It was years ago. And some, something just became easier. And I was like, wow, these, these words, they're not so jumbled anymore. I can kind of make sense of, of what it means. I, honestly, if a word is over like six letters that's me gone like um (laughs) but it has improved I think with age just because I was so sadly I think I was very embarrassed by it when I was younger um I I felt like really uncool you know and Mm. uh and and so I really kind of took it upon myself to read as much as I could and, and try and improve it as much as I could. But of course, as you know, like it, you can't really 
get rid of dyslexia. I mean, if you can, like, I don't know about it. Um, But something else that I have found uh, is actually, I don't think I would be as creative as I am or learn as kinetically as I do if it weren't for being dyslexic. And so actually it's a bit of a gift. And it's, it's, it's so common. Dyslexia is so common that I'm really yes. sad that when I was younger, I was embarrassed by it. Um, now I'm not at all. I'm actually quite proud to say in a room, like when we're doing a cold reading or a reading of a script, just let you know I'm dyslexic. Like, um, And I've sat for hours at home <laughs> going yeah. through this yeah. script so that I won't slow everybody down. But yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's just a part of my life. And I don't even notice it now. Like at all yeah. really I mean I, when I'm reading a book and like my other half's got through a whole book in the time that I've got through a chapter maybe um, yeah. but yeah I, and I don't know if, if anyone else with dyslexia, uh, dyslexia struggles with this but um, like pronouncing words big thing for me like oh uh-huh. my god and I have to do a lot of interviews and press and you know that kind of nature with my job yeah. and I get so embarrassed because I want to use these big words but Firstly, I don't know what they mean. Secondly, I normally say them wrong because I see mm-hmm. a word and I pronounce yeah. it differently to what it should be. Yes. Um, so, you know, but just one of those things, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah, no, it's very common. And, of course, uh, dyslexia, as we both know, is so common in our industry as well. Yeah. Um, did, did they run parallel? So did you find performance, singing, around the same time, around year eight, around that sort of age? Yeah, I actually did. Um, I remember we, my dad moved us to Manchester when I was in year seven and Mm. I was the new kid from the South. I had this South accent and they were all like Northern Manchester, like, um, and to make friends, I sang. I was like, I can sing, look, look at me sing. And I remember I always Mm. used to sing, um, I Will Always Love You by... Whitney Houston um and uh yeah I just remember singing it in the classroom and then when I we moved back down south I was like yeah I'm a, I'm a singer um and that was that was the same time that I had that meeting with my English teacher who helped me really discover that yeah you are you are dyslexic and you, you could do with an extra hand you know because certainly I think both me and me and my producer Rory doing this podcast we found if if around the time you find out you're dyslexic, you find the thing that you then pursue, whether it's being an entrepreneur, an architect, or you know a creative, it really helps with your self-esteem. That's a massive part of uh, people's journey with dyslexia is feeling like their, their self-esteem is so low because yeah. of not feeling like they're like everybody else. But if you have a thing that you can pour yourself into, that you could, you know, through the prism of like you looking at sheet music or what have you, you know, stories that might be around a musical you're doing. You can go through, you know, you could sit at home, like you say, for three hours pouring over a script because it's all worth it. It's all about, you know, that thing which which takes you um, through it, you know? Yeah. Was that a comfort to you, you know, applying yourself to singing and songs and and shows? Yeah, Yeah. And, and weirdly, like, I would never really stumble learning a song because it was singing and singing yes. is different to to speaking. Um, 
and it was sounds then and and still right. now my my mind resonates with someone like when I can't read a word or I don't even know what it is and I ask someone it's it's what it sounds like to me like and then I will learn yes. that word by 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 the sound of it um rather than the spelling yeah. uh and I think that that must be that must be because I'm a singer like and I I hear sound and sound resonates with me and it was yeah that was a comfort um the fact mm. that I could sing, read a song and, and sing it and, and read sheet music because I do read sheet music, um, which is mind-blowing, right? How can you be dyslexic yet mm. read sheet music? But, you know, living proof, like... So, yeah, it was, it was a comfort, for sure, for sure. Well, that's it. I mean, anybody who's seen you sing, you're a very physical singer. So it makes sort of it makes sense to me. You, you, you physicalise a lot. It seems like it's very alive and in your body. And it's, I mean, it's ironic for probably everybody else who isn't a singer who's listened to this because the idea of singing would probably fill them with terror. But for you, it's a reverse. You know, it's, you know, reading yeah. in class would fill you with terror. Uh, and, but singing and physicalising that song is a comfort to you. Oh, massively so, yeah. I always look at photos when photographers come to events or gigs and they take photos. I am always like scrunching my face up. My arms are in the air. I look horrendous in every photo. I definitely don't just stand and sing. You know, I feel it in, in my gut. Um, and I'm a dancer as well. So yeah, I, I'm just so physical. Everything for me must be physicalized. Like, you know, they, they always say that there's three types of learning things. Sorry, the murmuring is my puppy making all the noises. If anyone can hear that in the background. <laughs> Um, but, uh, for me, I have to learn kinetically. So like, I remember being at school, um, things like science and maths, which literally used to be like a living nightmare for me. Um, yep. and, and just thinking like you telling me this, okay, I have to try and do this myself or none of this will go in. Um, yeah. and like in, in anything that was physical, watching someone do it, meh, them telling me how to do it. Yeah, no, I had to do it myself and, and you know, them taught me through it with me doing it. Um, I think, yeah, I'm just very kinetic-led and, and very physical with everything, with, with, you know, even when I read a book, apparently I use my hands. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so talk us through that. Can, can, you, can you put your finger on a moment when you're like, no, I can't, I can't have you tell me, I can't have you write it down, I'm going to have to try and translate that in my body? Uh, any rehearsal process, any rehearsal process, right. working yeah. with a choreographer or a director. And that, but I mean, also I have, as I said before, ADHD. So like, you can imagine like just so much energy all the time. Um, yes. But any rehearsal process or any show I've ever done, it's like they'll talk at me and then I'll be like, okay, can we do it now? Can, uh, can I do it? Can I have a go? Can I do yeah, it quite yeah. a few times? And if we do it and it's not quite right for me, they'll try and talk me through it. And I'm like, no, 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 just let me do it again. <laughs> just let me like figure it out with my with yeah. my body. And even if you need to talk me through it as I'm doing it, but just listening to you isn't going to help me. And even, even watching you do it, still not going to help me. <laughs> I need to yeah. like do it myself. So yeah, that... And sometimes I think if your creative team doesn't doesn't know me that well and isn't yeah. aware of you know ADHD dyslexia that, that I have it, then they it can almost come a, across 
quite like abrasive, but it's not. It's just me desperately trying to claw my way through getting it in my body. Um, and I get like overexcited and just, I just have a lot of energy. <laughs> yeah. <So>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, was there like a particular show around that age, around that year, year eight sort of age that you were, that that, that realisation came upon you that, oh, I'm going to have to apply being active and physical, not only in performance, but in understanding science or things I find tricky? Yeah, I think, um, well, God, by in year eight, I was like, I'd already taken, had we chosen our subjects? No. So I was still very much doing like, I mean, we all have to do maths and science, but they were still very much a core subject. Um, and I just remember in things like science, like when it was a practical day, uh, like cutting up a frog or something, I was on it. I was like, <laughs> yes, this is hands on. It's physical. It's active. Yeah. I'm in. My brain is switched on. I'm with you because I have to do something physical to learn this. I'm there. As soon as it was sat down in front of a board, I was gone. So I, d- I yeah, I knew I knew then, and I knew from that point in my life that I I would never be a nine-to-five office worker. No offence to anyone who is, because, hello, security and paycheck and knowing what you're doing with your life must be a dream. But I yes. knew that I was never going to be that person to just sit and do my job. I, I, I didn't know what it was going to be. I just knew I was mm. always going to be active. And, I mean, it has definitely worked out that way, you know? <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. You know, as you say, full respect to the people who can do that, but it's just not my skill set. Yeah. And I'm getting the feeling that it's not yours either. It is about <laughs> being physical. I mean, I, I, I teach acting as well now, and I have to be, I have to physicalize, I have to demonstrate. There's, there's no, because as you know, you can't theorize, you know, sit and like, you know, scratch your chin over performance. It has to be done. You have to do it. Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. And I struggled even with that at drama school, you know, like, because there was quite a lot of lessons that was about musical theatre history and and right. I, my brain. It's not that I didn't want to. Yeah. That's just my brain. And and sometimes you do feel a bit lonely. Like you're like, why do I feel like everybody else is getting this and yeah. is absorbing it? And my brain is somewhere out of this room, even yeah. though I desperately yeah. want to be with the teacher. But I just, I just needed to be up on my feet, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, we talk about this a lot in the pod that, that you know, that sort of sit down, listen, maybe take your own notes, that that suits one form of intelligence. And there has to be, you know, a better, potentially more physical way or, or, or maybe, you know, we need to have like more one-on-ones, you know, with, yeah. with, with teachers, um, whereby all of the people who learn in different ways, you know, either by physicalizing or whether they discuss with somebody else or whether they do it by themselves, whether everyone's needs can be met, you know, so it's more effective. Yeah, totally. And I think that was something that, um, you, you, you know, you teach, you probably found like through lockdown, being teaching on Zoom is hard because you want the energy of the people you're teaching. And I love oh, teaching yeah. workshops with like big groups of kids and mm. to not be in the room with them, it was really hard. <laughs> so hard. So hard. Because then your, your dyslexia is, is is not, you know, circumscribing to, to Zoom as well. Do you know what I mean? Because you're not... Mm. There's something about the immediacy of like being with somebody and being able to to talk to them in person, which it just it's just different. It's completely different, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's so different. It's so different. And you know, I'm not only an actor now; I'm a PT as well. Yeah. And yeah. I found 
all the reading for the qualification an utter nightmare. Mm-hmm. I feel like I didn't sleep for a month <laughs> when I was doing yeah. my, yeah. Uh, my exams and stuff. Yet the physical aspect of it, I like scored so high and the theory I like scraped. And it wasn't that I, I don't know what I'm, I, I knew what I was, what I needed to learn and what I was talking mm. about. Yeah. But the reading, the amount of reading, yeah. oh my God, it just terrified me. But I got the qualification and yeah, I work work as a PT now as well. And I love that. So yeah, it's, it's amazing. Well, that's something we share as well, because I'm a PT. I'm a PT as well. Um, I mean, isn't that rare? A, a creative yeah. person also being a PT, never. <laughs> Having multiple hustles. Ooh, yeah, exactly. Having 10 jobs. <laughs> exactly. exactly, but... Yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. I don't know how you found like going back into a classroom after having what you know, like a proper classroom after. Because do we class drama school as a proper classroom? It sort of is and it isn't. I sort of mean that like you know, sitting down and studying the heart and the valves in the heart, and then you know all the sorts of things around biology. I felt like I was in a much better place to be ready for it. You know, at secondary school, there was still a little bit of that self-loathing going on and feeling yeah. like I wasn't like everybody else. I was in a better place because I had my workarounds as well. I was like, okay, I can, and I had to work around this issue. I, I maybe know how to revise a little bit more because of learning lines. Yeah. You know? Yeah, actually, that's a real, real thing. It was like, sometimes my brain remembers the visual, like a photographic yes. memory type thing. Um, and I think somehow that's how I learn lines as well. I, I visualize that page and where the where the line is on the page. Like even the current show that I'm in at the moment, I reckon if somebody asked me that line, whereabouts is it on the page? I could probably tell them top, me like middle or bottom, even though I haven't looked at the script since yeah. since rehearsals, because my mind just kind of remembered the picture image. And uh, yeah, I think I did that with with PT. And I don't think I would have even realised that that's how my brain worked when I was younger, you know. Yeah. Um, but s- certainly now, for sure, it's like a, it's yeah. like my brain pictures what I saw, and then I'm like, oh, yeah. I know it. Like, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah that helps with PT revision yeah. massively. So it's a feature of of uh, dyslexia. There's lots of dyslexics who are architects, and they because of the way the brain, the dyslexic brain can often work is they can visualize, you know, like when they map out schematics for a building, you know, so, like, so the uh, the room up the stairs to the left is, you know, the first bedroom. Th- their brains can think very in depth and visually yeah. about that in a way that other people can't. And in the US, most knee surgeons are dyslexic because they can view the- What? The patella, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The patella, um, is it the patella? The knee. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, um, we should so know that, shouldn't we? <laughs> we should know it. We do know it. We got it right. Um, uh, they can, you know, visualise it when they're about to, you know, make the, those incisions because, as you know, this is a wow. very complex joint. Um, yeah. Well, this is what I mean. I it think helps. it's a gift. Yeah, I think dyslexia, yeah. Yeah, you know, I do remember as a kid people taking the mick out of people mm. who are dyslexic. I do remember that. Um and also, you know, the running joke that, of course, dyslexic is spelt so difficultly <laughs> yeah, for people yeah. who are dyslexic. Um, but now I, yeah, I'm so proud. And I hope that younger kids coming up now have the same kind of 
pride that I do about it. Like, well, actually, because I'm dyslexic, I'm this, 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 and this. And because of my dyslexia, I learn like this, 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 you know? So it, mm. it definitely, right, it might be an impingement in some way, but it, it does help in other ways. Like, it, you just wouldn't have the same creative bones in your body and... Yeah, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, for, for me, it's it's certainly been having conversations and dialogues, you know, with, with people like yourself who've had success in the way that they determined success to be. It's because they found something, you know, whether it is as an entrepreneur, whether it is an architect, whether it is someone who's creative um, or someone who's invented something. Yeah. Once they found that thing, you know, the, the all the trials and tribulations, the things that, that, that are challenging about it. They're worth it. They're worth the struggle. They're worth the extra amount of time you have to take breaking down a script or looking over some plans. Yeah, because actually absolutely. it will help. Like I, you know, I do believe it helps creatives. That's why there's so many creatives who are dyslexic. I think it helps us. Yeah, I, I, I honestly think like there, there are so many in in the creative industry. It's insane. It's just, it's probably more common to find someone dyslexic than not really. Like yeah, yeah, you know. And we're like a little group of warriors. <laughs> and actually, yeah. on the contract that I did just before the one I'm on, there was three of us in the cast um, that had ADHD and dyslexia. And it was wild in the rehearsal room. Wild. All of us had this energy of like, should we do it again? Uh, let's, uh, let's go again. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 sure. I know what you're saying, but can I just do it? It was yeah. hilarious. And, you know, we kind of all we grabbed each other at one point and went, are you? Um, and they were like, yeah, yeah, are you? And I was like, yeah. Because <laughs> you see it. You yeah. you see it in other people that just have that mind that just works in a in a slightly different way, you know? Yeah. And you've got to harness that if you're a director. I mean, you've got to look at this this level of energy and commitment that, that those people can bring and harness yeah. it in a, in a way that is useful for the, you know, for the whole, for the collective. Because I don't know, when we were talk, again, we talked about this a lot, but people in school who weren't diagnosed and you're like, you're acting out because you haven't been diagnosed or because, you know, this is the only way you can get attention because some people assume that you're either lazy or that you're, you know, you're, you you yeah. might not be as bright, but that isn't, that's not true. And that's not harnessing that incredible energy that you can use in a creative way sufficiently. Yeah. And also like another thing that I think is important for people to realise, like um, it doesn't mean like to the youngsters out there listening to this podcast, like you're almost told because you've got dyslexia, you won't get good grades. Mm. And that is a lie. Like my GCSE results were in the top 2% of the year of my school in subjects go. like maths and science and English. And I remember my mum opening up my GCSE results and hand on heart, I say with my full chest, she was like, we've got the wrong exam results these aren't yours <laughs> she was like we have got the wrong she took me to the desk I mean bless her she didn't mean it in a bad way she just couldn't believe it she was like she took me to the desk she was like I think there's some sort of mistake and they were like no this is your daughter's exam results <laughs> and she was in disbelief like so it just goes to show um that you know dyslexia doesn't mean that you're gonna be less than, than someone else my sister's a genius an actual genius like she's an a star a star student she's a lawyer we are chalk and cheese and there wasn't a day in my life i was very lucky that i ever felt below her or inferior to her she was amazing she used to sit and um if i had an essay to write 
She is the best sister. She, I mean, she mm. really is a genius. Like, we are total opposite. But if I asked her to do a step or change, it would be a travesty, right? So, you know, <laughs> pros and cons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she, yeah. I used Different to, I gifts. remember, yeah, I remember, like, like it was yesterday, me sat on the floor in our little computer room in our house and my sister sat at the computer and typing out what I was saying because mm. I knew what I wanted to say in my essays, but it would take yeah. me so long to write them out that yeah. then my ideas would go and then I'd get flustered and then I couldn't remember what it was that I just wanted to say. And so mm. she'd type what I was saying and I'd say my essay and she'd type it for me. I mean, that is like top sister award, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, give her the award. Um, <laughs> I want to engage in just a little bit of, you know, um, asking you about your favourite parts that you've played um, before we have to let you go. You know, favourite parts or, or the most... Yeah. You know, there was before that part and after that part because that part was massively influential for the way you approach performance or, you know, that they were useful to you in a, in a very profound way. Yeah, so, I mean, I think one of the most prolific parts I played and was a real tipping point in my career uh, was Elphaba in Wicked. Um, mm -hmm. I was cast very young, 24, normally they're cast in their like mid thirties. Um, mm -hmm. And I was cast as standby, well actually alternate. I was doing, gonna do two shows a week and then go on when, when the leading lady couldn't. And I couldn't believe I had the job. And that contract put me through so many trials and tribulations. We lost the leading lady um, very early on. She was still on the contract, but struggled really, not well with, you know, the mental challenges of the part. It's, there's mm. a lot of pressure that comes with that part. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah, huge. I Yeah. So I was thrown on mid-show more times than I could possibly count. And, and then I ended up taking over from someone who was so supportive of, of me and guided mm. me when I got the job. I was in awe of her. So to see someone kind of, you know crumble in that way was heartbreaking but then I had to step into her shoes and, and be the leading lady and lead my company and mm. it, it requires so much endurance so much mm. strength so much vocal ability uh, and you know it was tough with everything going on and I just think every time I'm struggling with anything vocally mentally physically emotionally with contracts I look back at that time and I say to myself if I can do what I did then and get through what I went through in that, I can do this. Yes. So yeah. not only was it like one of the most, probably the most famous female role in musical theatre of our time, but yeah. what I went through as a person, I came out an entirely different human at the end in, in all the, you know, the best ways. And just, yeah, it just reminds me every day when I'm struggling, like, no, because I did that so I can do this. Yes. And yeah, that, that for me was a big tipping point. It's beautiful. That's beautiful, you know, how challenges like that can however challenging and 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 stressful they might be can open us up and improve us in ways we didn't didn't quite imagine yeah definitely oh god yeah yeah i learned <laughs> so much from every part that i play uh mm. every time and you know i've played some incredibly fierce women and every yeah. time i have to pinch myself i never take it for granted every time i get a job i'm like really really you want me <laughs> yeah so yeah very lucky girl yeah, I think that's the misconception about us as performers is like that we want to get up there to show off. 
but it's <laughs> you know it's about so much more than that it's about you know through this the company of people that we're working with and through the through the prism of this part there's we're exploring our humanity and we're of course we're exploring our talent but it, it, it we want to be challenged by what we do and you know just dis- discover who we are through the through through this this part yeah yeah and you know it's it's true what they say that there's a little bit of you in every part that you play and that's that's the beauty of you know even these shows that have been running for years and years it'll never be the same part as soon as it's a new human taken over that character that will be a slightly different character that you see on that stage because we put a piece of ourselves in everything that we do and um yeah it's it's just a beautiful thing <laughs> well that's it i mean that's that's why wicked didn't close after adina menzel you know did the first run do you know what i mean because we go back repeatedly to see great performers interpret great roles that's what it's yeah. all about yeah totally yeah now i had some big shoes to fill <laughs> yeah yes yeah, did you did um well i'm gutted i'm gutted Jodie, that we don't have you for longer because i know you're a busy lady and you and you've got um some more press to do today i do <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's our it's- loss I'm sorry. It's a hustle. It's such a hustle, but I love it. (laughs) We get it. We get it. Booked and blessed. Um, It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Um, And um, thank you so much for giving us your time. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Words Fail Me a podcast about thriving with dyslexia with me, Jumont McGowan. My guest today was Jodie Steele. And there are more conversations in this series. Just search Words Fail Me, a podcast about thriving with dyslexia, and subscribe wherever you find podcasts. And if you want to support the charity or access its many services, go to dyslexia-help.org. This podcast was funded by the National Lottery Community Fund and Epic Projects, or Ecumenical Project for International Cooperation. EPIC is a USA-based, non-profit organisation. EPIC creates bonds among caring people devoted to solving global challenges of poverty, food insecurity, environmental degradation, human rights and making peace. Go to their website, epicprojects.org. And if you really enjoyed this episode, please go rate and subscribe, even leave us a little review. It really helps the podcast grow. Thank you.